Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillah. Vessalatu vesselamu ala Resulillah ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve men vela. Nehmedullah subhanahu ve teala ala nimetil islami vel imani vel icadi vel ihsan. Ve nusalli ve nusallim ala abdihi ve rasulihi ve nebiyihi ve habibihi Muhammedin sallallahu aleyhi ve ala ahli beytihi ve tayyibin ve tayyirin ve ala sahabatihi kiram ve men tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yevmiddin. Alhamdulillah, ma ba'd. Thank you very much, Mufti Niaz, and congratulations to on to him for his marriage. Jazakallah khairan for bringing me to this uh, beautiful masjid. Um, this was his idea to come here, and so of course we can't say no to him since he's a, mashallah, good friend. May Allah give us dawam al uh good companionship until yawm al-qiyamah. And the most important thing about <coughs> our survival in this day and age, in this subject of Akhirul Zaman is Suhbah. Suhbah is one of the most important things. And this subject of Shield Against Dajjal all revolves around Surah Al-Kahf. Surah Al-Kahf is the main surah from which we're going to learn about all of our shields and our medicines against the Dajjal. And you'll note, <clears throat> you'll note that, and by the way, I see the lights on on the sisters, the brother, he had so, worked so hard to plan a slideshow, right? And last minute, I told him, we don't need to do a slideshow. Okay, slideshow, this is for the business and administration and all the accounting, all the meaninglessness. Dean never needs a slideshow. This is for chumps, okay? Khalas, al-ilm fi ras Right? Knowledge is, you, you know it. You should know it. This is, why is not religious knowledge memorized so easily? Religious knowledge is memorized so easily. Right? It's because religious knowledge is for action and saving your rear end from hellfire. Right? You're going to memorize that knowledge. If it's saving you from hell, you're going to memorize that knowledge. You're going to know it in your head. Uh, so, Surah Al-Kahf. You'll notice that all the surahs that have protections, the, the subject of the protection is mentioned in it, like al-jinn. What is the surah, the protection from the jinn is al-baqarah. Al-hasad was-sihr. What is it? Al-falaq. And hasad is mentioned in there. Sihr and jinn. Surah al-baqarah, it's mentioned in there from the sahara of the time of Sulaiman. A, a lot of Surahs that are medicines. And some people say that, no, all these hadiths are false. We tell them, who told you they're false? They're all in, uh, Tirmidhi found them valid and sound hadiths. And they're mostly from Anas ibn Malik. Anas ibn Malik is the one who narrates most of these hadiths about the specificities of different surahs. Surah Al-Kahf has no mention of the Dajjal. But the Prophet ﷺ said, to memorize the first ten and the last ten verses of Surah Al-Kahf is your protection from Masih al-Dajjal. So why isn't Masih al-Dajjal mentioned in there? Masih al-Dajjal is not mentioned in there because if he was mentioned in there, people would just circle those verses and study them. But by not mentioning the Dajjal in Surah Al-Kahf, what do we do? We study the entire Surah. The entire surah is allegories for Akhirul Zaman. Now, when is Akhirul Zaman beginning? When is Akhirul Zaman beginning? 
Akhir al-Zaman is beginning according to Surah Al-Isra. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقُلْنَا لِبَنِي إِسْرَائِيلُ اسْكُنُ الْوَرْضِ We said to Bani Israel, go live in that land. Go live in that land. Bani Israel, since the time of shortly after Prophet Isa, 70 years after the Prophet Isa, Ibn Maryam, Bani Israel was mushattatin, which means scattered all over the earth with no home. Okay? Scattered. Okay? All over the earth. And they never had a homeland. But Allah Azza wa Jal says, فَإِذَا جَاءَ وَعْدُ الْآخِرَةِ When the promise of the end of time comes, جِئْنَا بِكُمْ We bring you from every corner of the earth. This is from the last few ayahs of Surah Al-Isra. And therefore, so many of the ulama tell us that when the Bani Israel find a land and a home to live in, this is a time that you know Akhirul Zaman has begun. Wallahu ta'ala alam. Wallakin, this is shahid from the Quran. Now let's bring another witness. Because we need shahidai adl, two upright witnesses. Everywhere in Sharia says you need shahidai adl, two upright witnesses. So when is the end of time? When is the, that last chapter of humanity beginning? The Prophet ﷺ gives us a, two clear signs. When he was asked by, by Jibreel who came in the form of a man, Meta Sa'ah, when is the Sa'ah? The Prophet said, The one who's asked, he doesn't know any better than the one asking. So he said, So then tell me about its signs. Now the Prophet is teaching us, you don't have to worry about when Yom Qiyamah is, that's not the issue. Well, why would you worry about that? You're going to be dead anyway. When Yom Al-Qiyamah comes, you die immediately. What you have to worry about is when the last chapter comes. Akhirul Zaman. Because in it will be major calamities and people will lose their Iman. We have to be thankful every day of our lives for our Iman. People are losing their Iman. Prophet ﷺ said, there comes a time. When, when he says there will come a time, Alright, it is a guarantee that that hadith will happen in the end of time. He always says, there will come a time, there will come a time, there will come a time. These hadiths. Well, what time is this? The Prophet ﷺ said, there will come a time in which a person will wake up mu'min, he will wake up a mu'min and he will sleep that night in the sight of Allah, he has rejected. Rejected what? Any part of the Qur'an. Any part. Of Al Quran Al Karim, or Mahua, what we call in Arabic, Ma'alum min al-Din known by default, known by necessity. What is what is known by necessity mean? Ma'alum min al-Din Like for example, <clears throat> New York City is in the United States. If you're alive on the earth today and you're mentally stable, you know New York is in America, right? You don't need to be educated and go to school to learn that there's a place called New York in America. It's known by default, just by virtue of being alive. Likewise, just by virtue of being Muslim, you know certain things, right? Rejection of these things that are ma'lum in ad-deen bil-darura renders you in the sight of Allah, none of your deeds are accepted. You are not accepted with Allah. If you disbelieve in something that is ma'lum min ad-deen bil-darura, okay? So people will lose their iman. Now, 
He asked about these signs. How do we know that this time has come? He gave us two signs. One sign is on the earth and one side is in the homes. One of these signs occurs in people's households and the other sign occurs on the earth. So what is the one that occurs in the household? And talida al-amatu rabbataha. And talida, that a woman will give birth to the girl that bosses her around. The girl that bosses her around. Now, I ask the mothers out there, one of the biggest hassles in the world today is kids. The kids are no longer how they used to be. And how they should be. Servants of their moms and dads. Right? Kids in the past, he's a servant to his mom and dad. No, nothing more, nothing less. Right? So much so that Abdul Muttalib, how did he get that name? Abdul Muttalib. It's not his name. And Muttalib is not his father. Muttalib is his uncle. Shaiba is his father. Okay? Shaiba. The Shaiba is his name. Hashim is his father. His name is Shaiba. But when he was raised in Yathrib by his mother named Salma, okay, then his father died in Mecca. What happened? Muttalib looked at his sons and he found none of his sons. Muttalib is now the chief of Quraysh. Muttalib, he found that none of his sons are worthy to be chief. So he said, let me look, maybe Hashim's sons can be chiefs. Hashim. So he went, and where is Hashim's wife? Hashim's wife was a woman named Salma in Yathrib. And Salma kept her son with her. So Muttalib traveled north to Yathrib. And he got there and he told Salma, let me take this boy, Shaiba, and let him be the chief of Quraysh. When he got there, he found an upright young man, strong-bodied, strong-willed, sound mind, and he said, he is capable of being chief. So he convinced her and she agreed. And Shaiba left Yathrib, which was where he was born and raised, all right, which is sort of a foreshadowing, because the Prophet ﷺ would go there and it would be Medina. And he followed his uncle, Muttalib, down to Mecca. When they got to Muttalib, when they saw him, the way Sheba was sitting, talking, behaving, they thought immediately, this is just a servant of Muttalib. They thought Muttalib had purchased him as a slave. That's how youth were with their parents, like servants. So what did they call him? They said, that must be Abdul Muttalib, right? The slave of Muttalib, Muttalib's new slave. Then Muttalib said, oh, you're calling him a slave? This is going to be your chief. So they all laughed because the boy who was destined to be their chief, next in line to become chief, they thought he was a slave. That just goes to show you what children were like in the past. And that was the norm. That was the norm. Today, moms are exhausted from serving their children. It's the other way around. The mom is serving the children. Right or wrong? Today you have a woman at 10 p.m. Khalas, 
as if she's been through World War II. She's on the bed. Oh, the children have killed her. No, it used to be the opposite. It used to be the dad was so demanding and the mom was so demanding on the kids. The kids at 10 p.m. they're falling asleep from work, cutting up cucumbers, cleaning the floor, mopping, polishing shoes. No, no, not anymore. Today, dad's polishing his son's shoes. It's pathetic. When was the last time a boy here polished his dad's shoes? He's laughing. The thought never even occurred to his mind. So is this not something that one of the signs that we see today in our own house? A woman has kids. She has, if she has three kids, she has three bosses. Unfortunately, the husband khalas, he gets thrown in the garbage. Right? A woman has four kids. She has four bosses. Five kids, five bosses. They're all telling her what to do. SubhanAllah. And the society encourages it. They encourage it. So this is one of the signs. This is the second sign. Now the third one. Simple. That you see barefooted, naked. Alright? Shepherds. What does it mean? Barefooted and naked. Shepherds of sheep. What is that? What is the Prophet saying when he's saying barefooted naked? Is someone actually barefooted naked? They're not actually shepherding sheep naked. But why is the Prophet said naked? He means by this they have no culture and civilization. The Bedouin, who all he has is some sheep and maybe some milk, and that's all he knows. There's no civilization. There's no government. There are no books. He doesn't go to school. He doesn't get educated. His father never got educated. His grandfather never got educated. His whole life is to tend to the sheep. That's all he has. What is the Prophet telling us? No civilization. In other words, ignorant people. Jahala. Ignorant. What are they doing now? They've become very rich. So what do they do with their wealth? Build buildings in competition for one another. <coughs> Everyone knows, there's like ijma' in the whole ummah, that this hadith has happened already. It's happened already. Like the other two. Which is what? It's happened in the form of the Gulf, the Khalijiyin. Who are the rich of the Arabs today? The Khalij. Go look in history. Find me one chapter that makes mention of the Khalij. Of Abu Dhabi, Sharjah, Dubai, Qatar, Bahrain. Find me in any period of Islamic history that they are even mentioned. I guarantee you, you will find one Mention in all of Islamic history from the time of the Prophet all the way till today until let's say maybe 1960s, 70s even until the 80s you will find one mention of any of these countries and that is that Abu Huraira was sent by Omar to be the Amir of Bahrain that's the only time you will hear the word Bahrain or Abu Dhabi or Sharjah or Qatar, or any of these countries, with all due respect to them. With all due respect to them. However, the truth has to be sold. 
that the Prophet ﷺ said, if you do this, this is a sign that Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Akhiru Zaman has come. Like a big red button. So what did they do? Like foolish kids, the big red button says, if you press this, Yawm Al-Qiyamah is coming. What did they do? They pressed it. Okay. This is what they did, right? These are the, so these are three signs. Shahidai Adil, Al-Kitab wa Sunnah. One from the Quran and one from the Sunnah. That we're in Akhir zaman We're in Akhir zaman Akhir zaman why, why did the Prophet warn us so much of it? Because people will lose their Iman in this era. People will lose their faith. I'm going to share with you a hadith that I haven't shared in any of the other Shield Against Tajad talks. This hadith is found in Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi, and Ibn Majah. Okay? And Abi Thalaba al Khushani. Great Sahabi, Abu Thalib al Khushani. Okay. The Prophet ﷺ recited, Alaykum and Fusakum, La Yadurukum Mambala, Idehtadaytum. La Yadurukum Mambala, Idehtadaytum. Take care of yourself. No, no one from those astray, your enemies, cannot harm you if you are guided. Okay? None of your enemies can harm you if. You are guided. They asked him, O Messenger of Allah, tell us the meaning of this. Okay? Now the Prophet ﷺ thought maybe they're going to think that they should not do anything and just stay home. He said, No. Okay? Command the good. Until. Command the good, forbid the wrong. Until when? Until you see Shuhan Muta'an. Shuhan Muta'an. Okay? Wahawan Muttaban. Wadunya Mutheratan. Wa Ijaba Kulli the Raim Birai. Wara Aita Malak Mala Buddha Laka Minu. Wamala Yadan Laka Ali. Fa'alaika Bihasatinabsik. So keep in the society commanding good and forbidding wrong until you start seeing these signs. What are these signs? Shuhan Muta'an. Greed. Greed that is acceptable. People are accepting greediness today. That you constantly want more. And the society has no shame in you asking for more. Gluttony. Overeating. Being seen with excess. Okay? Being seen. Being known to be wanting more money. Do you know that in the past it was shameful for you to be wanting more money. It was shameful. You should be ashamed of yourself. That you are greedy. But today it's completely acceptable. Completely acceptable to be greedy and talking about money. Today, yani, if you look at... If you're looking at the World Series. Alright? If you're looking at the World Series. This guy who played for the Mets, he kept hitting home run after home run after home run. But instead of saying, oh, like an accomplishment... What did they say? They're saying his stock is going to increase. His next contract is going to be far bigger and far greater. That's all the measurement there is today. The only measurement is your action. Is it going to result in more money or not? SubhanAllah. Is it going to result in more money or not? And unfortunately, Dao has become like this too. Oh, mashallah, you give a great talk. That means your next talk, you should have a, a more money coming from it. Or you did a great event. Next event, you should sell more tickets now. <coughs> and everything is judged by the dollar. 
And the society totally accepts this. This is shuh al-muta'ah. Shuh, greediness. It's a big disease. And women, the one disease that the ulama say has no cure. Yani, if your husband smokes and you choose a man who smokes, you can say, you can cure him. Right? You could say, look, we're not going to be married unless you stop smoking. And you get married and he agrees and then you keep working on him, then he stops smoking. The one thing that they say has no cure and a woman should not marry a man who has a reputation for this is greediness. Greed. If a man is bakhil, stingy, stingy and greedy, there's no cure for this. Stinginess. Al-bukhl. Shuh and bukhl are twins. Shuh is for the desire to have and bukhl is the refusal to give away. They're both twins. And unfortunately, the richer people get, the more stingy they get. And the more greedy they get. Ajib. Because the more they spend time with the material world, the less they spend time with the spiritual world. So what happens? They are less fulfilled by life. They're less fulfilled by life. So they keep having to have more and more and more. The more sugary foods you have, the more you need to have. Right? The more you need to have. If you notice, bottles of water never get bigger. Because water is satisfying. But big gulp always gets bigger. Skittles bags keep getting bigger. Right? This is not satisfying. Ad-dunya is not satisfying. Anyone who gets their emotional high or spiritual high from being accepted by people or from eating or from entertainment by watching clips on your phone or by playing games on your phone. People get their emotional high and their spiritual satisfaction attempt to get their satisfaction from these things. We tell you, you're going to keep going and going non-stop because you're never going to be satisfied. And nafs, the ruh and the qalb of the human being is not ever satisfied except when you sit with yourself and say to yourself, Allah, you are watching me, and I am in front of you, and you do munajah, oh my maker, and you speak to your maker, and you know, deep in your heart, Allah is watching you, Allah is with you, Allah made you, Allah loves you, Allah loves to hear from you, Allah loves that you think about Him, Allah is loving at this moment that you are visualizing, you are right in front of Him. You are visualizing yourself at the foot of the mountain in paradise, as Allah says, We put the mountain above you so that you could see the Adama of Allah. Allah put the Bani Israel where? At the foot of a mountain. When you see the mountain, you say, SubhanAllah, it's humongous. If it was to fall, or one rock of it was to fall, it would crush us. This is the majesty of my Lord. And He wants to listen from you. He wants to listen to you. He wants to see your prayers. He is asking to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. Allah has given you invitations. Not only to forgive you, but to give you. This is where you get your satisfaction from. And by Allah, if the whole world was to ignore you, and the whole world was to praise and give obeisance, to your greatest rival and enemy. That should not move you one iota. You should continue to remain satisfied with Allah. 
وكفى بالله حسيبا it's enough that Allah will ask you what you do وكفى بالله شهيدا it's enough that Allah is watching you أليس الله بكاف عبدا isn't Allah enough for his slave look how many times Allah connects the word enough the word kafa right وكافن the word enough look at it in the Quran it's always attached to who? Allah Allah is enough for you Allah is enough for you. And in the end of times, people have lost this. Lost this completely. They don't know how to turn back to Allah. They don't know how to think and visualize themselves sitting at the foot of the mountain. Allah Azza wa said, Oh Moses, come to the top of the mountain. Musa went to the top of the mountain. And then a gray cloud comes over Musa alayhi salam. And his Sahaba no longer see him. But they see lightning bolts coming from there. And they hear, SubhanAllah, something is happening inside that cloud. Then Musa salam comes out of that cloud. The fog lifts. Al-Ghamam. And Surah Al-Baqarah, two times it's mentioned that Allah comes down in a ghamam through a cloud. And Musa is there when the cloud lifts, they look at the face of Musa and they see Nur of Allah Azza wa Jal. And they're just staring at Musa's face. Until what did they say? If this is the effect, Arin Allah Jahra, if this is the effect of you in that cloud and Allah revealing His word directly to your heart and speaking to you directly, then show us Allah Himself. Then show us Allah Himself. <coughs> Some of the people have gone to say that the Bani Israel, they said that out of lack of discipline. Not always, not were they totally, not all of them were totally rude out of lack of discipline. And what? Yani they saw the nur of Allah on Musa's face. They say, show us Allah Himself because they can't stand how beautiful Musa's face is looking from the nur that's there. SubhanAllah. Oh, brothers and sisters, turn to Allah Azza wa You don't need friends. You don't need anyone. You only need Allah Azza wa Trust me. This, and don't wait until the moment happens. Some people, they will never get this until the moment comes that their family has all turned against them, that their friends have turned against them, and you have nobody but Allah left. And if that happens to you, you should say, هَذَا شَرَفْ عَظِيمْ this is a great honor for me that Allah has turned my wife against me, my mom against me, my husband against me, my dad against me, my kids are against me, my friends are against me. If this has happened to you, you should say this is a great honor. You should have knowledge. Allah is only turning everyone against you so that you have nobody but Him. And that's when you're going to understand what it means to be close to Allah and Allah close to you because you have no other choice. You have no other choice. This is the qurb to Allah Azza wa that is missing and lost in Akhirul Zaman. And what is it lost to? Not paganism, not idolatry. Many Muslims have a mistake. They think the opposite of being close to Allah Azza wa is falling into shirk and kufr and dajjal and shaitan. No. Look at what Allah says on the tongues of the kuffar. Right? On the tongues of the kuffar. What does he say about the Qur'an? Right? The Kufar said, stay away from this Qur'an. Okay? Stay away from this Qur'an 
and create lagu, lagu instead of this Quran. So that, what's the, the smart one? The dumb of the kuffar, the fool and the idiot amongst the kuffar was Abu Lahab. He was a hothead. He went around telling everyone, don't listen to Muhammad. So what did the people do? Listen to Muhammad. He did a disservice. He is a fool. But some of the wicked, more intelligent of the kuffar was Walid ibn Mughira, the father of Khalid ibn Walid. And he's amongst those who said, لا تسمعوا لهذا القرآن Don't listen to this Quran. And instead, okay, instead do what? Create games for people. People are foolish. Okay? People are foolish. Uh, what are the signs of people are foolish? Go look at the number one apps that are downloaded. Aren't they the dumbest things in the world? Okay? Every five years, it's a different app that is dumb. If you want to be a rich, be dumb. Invent something for dummies. Know that people are dumb. If you view people as being dumb, you can be very rich on apps. Because first, the first app that was a craze is Angry Birds, right? A game that is more primitive than Mario Brothers, right? All these people who are writing these softwares in these games, like, uh, what are the complex ones? There are some really complex games out there, the video games. <coughs> What's the one with the soldiers? Call of Duty. Right? These guys spend billions to make these games. And then some fool, okay, makes angry birds and makes more money than them. SubhanAllah, people aren't that bright. People aren't smart. Then, okay, that phase passed. Alright, what's next? I'm looking, waiting. Cherries and bananas and... what? <laughs> SubhanAllah. Fruit Mike and Ikes and fruit emojis, whatever. What is it? Candy crunch. Huh? Candy crush. Okay. That's how many dumb... That's how dumb people are. This is the most popular app now. I went, A millionaire surgeon. A surgeon. A surgeon makes millions of dollars. A year. On very complicated surgeries. Very complicated surgeries. One day, I was with them. Playing games. He's on his phone the whole time, right? I say, subhanAllah, that's why he makes millions of dollars. He's working. Even in this, even in this wedding, that guy's working. SubhanAllah, that's why he makes money. And I feel guilty that I'm eating my, my, my food and he's working, right? I'm thinking, man, I'm, maybe, I'm not working hard enough. I look, candy crush. SubhanAllah, <laughs> right? In the middle of all these friends, all your friends, and he's going to the side, paying Candy Crush. That's how dumb people are. It doesn't take much for shaitan to keep you away from Allah. People on video games. So we're not saying they're on fahsha. They're not even on fahisha. It didn't take fahisha. It didn't take shirk and kufr and gambling to get you away from Allah. It just took silly games like this, right? Silly games like this. But what does Allah say as a cure from Surah Al-Kahf? Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَاصْبِرْ نَفْسَكْ 
مع الذين يدعون ربهم الغداة والعشي يريدون وجهه ولا تعد عينك عنهم تريد زينة الحياة الدنيا Oh Messenger Stay with those people who are seeking Allah who pray morning and evening and do not turn your face from them Don't turn your face from awliya Allah Don't turn your face from them The people who are close to Allah stick with them no matter what No matter what happens, don't turn away from them. If you can live right next to them, live right next to them. Anas ibn Malik, what did his mom do? When Rasulullah came to, Mecca, to Medina, Anas ibn Malik was 10 years old. His mom said to him, went to the Messenger, she said, can I put my son into your service? She said, yes. He said, yes. Marhaba. Anas ibn Malik would wake up, do whatever chore his mom needed, And shortly before Dhuhr time, head down to the Messenger وسلم, and spend all day until Maghrib and Aisha to the Prophet with the Prophet right? Serving. Stay with the Salihin. Alright? Shuhan Muta'an. Wahawan Muttaban. Whims. 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 Constantly following whims. Yani, unfortunately, today we're in a time. You could be following your desires all day long. If you're bored from this talk, you can go into the bathroom, take your phone out, and play video games. Right? When you get home, there's plenty of food. Eat more food and have a midnight snack. When you get tired of that, put the TV on and see what's going on TV. When nothing's on TV, pull your phone out again and see what's going on YouTube. Constantly following your whims. Constantly following your whims. You got to be careful. This is not how people used to live. People used to be close to Allah because they had very little things to do. Simplify life. We have to simplify. Hawan muttaban, whims. It's impossible to keep up with the fads of today. The fads, even the language, right? The terminology of the youth is changing every day. There's always a new slang coming up. And then uh, next week there will be another slang. Whims, constantly whims, meaninglessness. Hawa, hawan, hawan, muttaban. Wadunya mu'thira. And people choose their dunya over their deen. Constantly. Everyone who has an opinion loves his opinion. Right? And we have to know, as Muslims, our opinion in the matter of the deen is meaningless. We have something called maraja, sources that we go back to. What are our sources in fiqh? Abu Hanifa, Malik, Shafi'in, Ahmad, and their and their scholars that passed on their teachings. This is very important for the youth, for the women, for the men. Where do you take your deen from? You have to know where you're taking your deen from. <laughs> Abdullah ibn al-Mubarak said, Al-Isnadu min al-Deen The chain of transmission is part of the religion. فَلَوْلَ الْإِسْنَادِ لَقَالَ مَنْ شَاءَ مَا شَاءَ If it was not for Isnad, Anyone could say whatever they wanted. No. We don't just take our deen from anyone. Right? Take, we take our deen from people who took their deen from people who took their deen from people all the way back to Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Alhamdulillah, this message has the signs that you're not taking from anyone. That you're taking from right sources. This is very important. Alright, taking from right sources. And then he says, What's next? All right. 
وَرَأَيْتَ مَا لَا بُدَّ لَكَ مِنُ or مَا لَا يَدًا لَكَ عَلَيْهِ You see things that you have no choice. You see things that you have no choice. Any of the shabab youth who go to schools, anyone who has email, you have to go online. Or anyone who goes to the supermarket and you stand in line there, you're going to see fawahish. You're going to see things that are against the fitrah and against the shara and against the deen. Okay? You're going to see things. You're going to go to work and your colleague, he's a creature that's new. We used to have males and females. They used to be known. Right? Now you don't have males and females. You don't know who you're dealing with anymore. SubhanAllah. You don't know. There's a new creature. A face that is a Yani, uh, a merge between male and female. This is a new face. It's out there, right? And then you have gender fluidity. A man, six foot tall, 200 pounds, linebackers, wishes today to be a female, puts on lipstick and wears high heels, right? This is an image that you don't even... Yani, maybe you're lucky in Pennsylvania, you don't have a lot of this, I don't think. But go to the cities. You're going to be shocked. You're going to need therapy from what you see in the cities now. You don't know what's in front of you is a male or a female, right? Or a she-male. Okay? You don't know what's in front of you. And the thing is, it might be your neighbor, it might be your colleague at work. You have, to, you have to give them, you have to interact. What do you do? What are you going to do? You can get reported. Right? This is what do you the Prophet said, Laysa Laka Layadan Bihi Alay or Layada Laka Alay. You have no control over this. You can't stop it. You're gonna have to interact and deal. Maybe your a nurse is gonna come to you, right? Someday. In the hospital is one of them. What are you gonna do? Dislike it in yourself. You can't even speak against it anymore. Right? You can't even speak against it anymore. You can't express your opinion. This is our situation. So what happens now? When you see this At this point, Worry about yourself. Yani, you're sitting there in the office and your colleague all right, is one way or the other. What are you going to do? You can't talk to him. Worry only about yourself. Inside of yourself, you say, Allahumma inni bari'um min, inni bari'um min, I have nothing to do with this. Inni akhafullah, I fear Allah, I have nothing to do with this. Inside of yourself to Allah, and Allah knows. anka amra al don't try to fix society at this point. Society, this is the Prophet telling us, society at large is lost if these matters are present in society, and unfortunately they are present in society. You cannot change yourself. Maybe you could change. You cannot change society. Maybe you could change you and a few people. Maybe you and a few people. Leave the, the public. Leave the public. Abandon the public. You can't control them. Don't try to fix them and, and change them. You cannot control the public. What you can control it may be yourself, maybe your family, and maybe a few friends. That's it. Surah Al-Kahf. What, what, do the, what do the shabab of Surah Al-Kahf do? What do Ashab Al-Kahf do? 
They take themselves and they were three or five or seven. And their dog and they leave society. They did exactly what's in this hadith, right or wrong? You see now the parallel of the Quran and the hadith? They left Amr al-Amma. They left the people. They left society and they went to leave. They made hijrah. Today, our hijrah is not with our body. Because wherever you go today, it's the same fitan. It's the same fitan. Okay? It's the same thing. If you go to Mecca, there are fitan. Everywhere there are fitan. In fact, America may be the safest place because the laws protect you. Okay? Allow you to practice your deen. You couldn't do a gathering like this in half of the Muslim countries. You can't do a gathering like this in Egypt. You can't do a gathering. In Egypt, the message is closed right after Aisha. The only speech is what the government gives the sheikh to, speak, to give. And they purposely give him something that puts the people to sleep. In, Arabia, in Mecca and Medina, can you open your own masjid and have a, a gathering? No. But in Lansdale, Pennsylvania, you can. SubhanAllah. You can't open your own masjid in Mecca, but you can in Pennsylvania. This is things flipped upside down. Qalbul haqaiq. The way things should be, or they're flipped. So we say, it's not hijrah, you're not going to go live on a mountain, literally like Ashab al-Kaf. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? Is the hijrah, the hijrah of the mu'min is two things. One from this hadith. Stop concerning yourself with the people. Don't let it bug you any khalas. Get it out of your head. And number two, the hijrah from sins to obedience. Hijrah. Don't worry about what people think. Don't worry about changing society. Okay? Everyone who comes out and says, I want to change the world, he ends up the first one being changed. And ends up being corrupted. Right? He keeps going and selling himself and selling his deen one by one, article by article. Why? In order to quote-unquote change the world and improve relations with society. They're the first people to be lost. SubhanAllah. And we can name names, but it's not our sunnah. And the sunnah of the ulama have taught us. And the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, we don't name names. Right? We don't name people. Alright. If you see these signs, which we've talked about, the Prophet ﷺ gave a title to these days. The days of sabr. Alright? Fitan. In one hadith, tribulations like the darkness of the night. More dark, more dark, more dark. Every part of the night gets more dark. And in another narration, like the waves of the sea. The waves of the sea. One after the other, after the other, after the other. Until one of you thinks, this wave is going to kill me. I'm done. This tribulation, I'm done. Right? But it will pass. And Allah will keep your iman for you. And then another one will come. And you will say, we're finished. And you will still survive. You will survive. And another one will come. And the Prophet ﷺ says, Whoever <coughs> is having patience in those days, it is as if he is grabbing Firmly to a hot coal. And most youth today, they don't know what a coal is. Because their grill is gas grill. And their fireplace is electronic fake. Okay? They don't know what does it look like when the piece of wood, 
there's something in wood called an ember. Okay? I mean, a piece of wood, it is so hot that it's red and it's pulsating red like this. Ember. And coals. Get an old-fashioned grill. You put the coals on it. Black coals. You put some gas. Okay? Or whatever grill fluid. You light it up. It's a fire for a while. Then the fire dies out. And you see pulsating red hot coals. You can't even touch it. But the Prophet ﷺ said the sabr on that in those days is not just touching the coal. It's grabbing hold onto it firmly. That if you actually did this, it would burn through your hand and through your fingers. So what does he want to do? Throw it. He wants to get rid of it. Why? The shabab today, the youth, their temptation, the things that they are seeing, okay, online and on TV and in magazines and in movies, the temptation is so strong, so graphic, that it's as if he wants to pull his heart out. His heart is on fire. He sees women. He's going to go crazy if he doesn't see and get those women. She sees men in movies and on TV and on her phone that are so chiseled. She's going to go nuts. They go nuts. All teenage girls today are nuts. You look around for who's not nuts. The girls are all gone crazy. Right? The girls have all gone wild. It's because the mom and dad, the girl jumped up and down for a cell phone and the mom gave it to her. Right? You just gave, would you give her a snake in her room? I would trust that there be a snake in the room than a cell phone. This cell phone has Balawi through it. Right? And look at when we have the, the cords of the modems and, and what have you that are connecting. We have an ayah of Quran. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Jasu khilal al-diyar. The enemies. And the, that tribulation that Allah sends, Jasu khilal al-diyar. Meaning snaking through the house. Snaking through the house. You got to be very careful of the internet. You got to control this thing. Or else it's going to take you to hell. Guaranteed. you got to control this thing. Subhanallah. And it's unfortunately changing our youth into shayateen. They're becoming shaitans. Through this thing. Alright. And the girls, the Dajjal, his power over girls is so much that the Prophet ﷺ said, you will have to tie down your mother-in-law. That means your wife's mom. Your mom. Your wife and your daughter. It's as if you will have to tie them to the house because they will run out wishing to see the Dajjal. And any mu'min who goes from himself to see the Dajjal, as soon as he ent- his gaze falls upon the Dajjal, he loses his iman. He loses his iman. And dies munafiq and kafir and whatever. Right? Now, here's the good news. For the one who is acting upon the deen, as you are all doing right now, you came, left your homes, came here, made wudu, prayed Aisha, attending all the way until late tonight, then going back home. This is a great action. A great action. For the one who is acting in this, أَجْرُ خَمْسِينَ رَجُلٍ مِثْلَ عَمَلِ 
خَمْسِينَ رَجُلٍ The reward of 50 men. The one who is acting in these days of difficulty and kufr and that there is no Darul Islam and no Khalifa to protect you. Not, no righteous king to, to give you a, a land where you can be Muslim peacefully and protect you from the fitan. Where your classmates in sixth grade and they're all sleeping around. Okay? Already in sixth grade and they're having sex and watching porn videos. In this era, and you're coming to the masjid, your reward is 50. So the Sahabi said, 50 met the reward of 50 of them or of us. The Prophet said, the reward of 50 of you. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. One Sahabi said, O Messenger of Allah, will there ever be people better than us when we have believed in you and fought alongside of you? And the Prophet grew very upset with him. And he said, وَمَا لَكُمْ لَا تُؤْمِنُونَ وَتَقْتُلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَتُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَيَمْشِي بَيْنَكُمْ رَسُولٌ مِّنَ اللَّهِ And he said, and what accomplishment is this? That you believe and fight alongside me when walking amongst you is the Prophet of God. What, what, what do you should be doing this? Yani, that's what you should be doing. You shouldn't feel so great about yourself. He's saying this to who? To the Sahaba. Then he, so the Sahabi said, then who is better? He said, يَأْتِ نَاسٌ لَا يَرَوْنَ إِلَّا إِسْمِي فِي كتاب. There will come a people that they will not see anything except my name between two binds of a book. Two binds of a book. وَلَكِنْ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِي وَيَعْمَلُونَ but they still believe in me and act upon it. Subhanallah. You don't know this hadith. Prophet said to the Sahaba, there will come people. All they know is that they see my name in the book, between two binds of a book. That's all they have. Which means what? Like they don't have, well, someone could say, well, everyone after the Sahaba fits that category. No, they don't. Because after the Sahaba, what did you have? Tabi'een. You have the, the Tabi'een saw the Sahaba. If you're born Muslim and you see Omar ibn Khattab, you don't have much excuse anymore, right? And if you are born Muslim and your fathers have conquered the whole known world except for China, right? You have no reason except not to, to not be Muslim. If you are born Muslim in the 1200s, 1500s, and your people built, your people built the Blue Mosque, Sultan Ahmed Mosque in Istanbul that you see in the calendars. And your king built the Taj Mahal. And all of the people of the world are imitating your people. You have no excuse. Who else is tempting you? What better civilization is there? But shortly after the 20s, everything started to break down. And 1940s and 50s came. And now you have such misery in the Islamic world that people began to leave. And Muslims began to go to Europe and began to come to Australia and to Canada and to America and to South America. And those Muslims married. Even though they grew up in an Islamic society, they married and their kids are born in strange places, cities with no history of Islam. Such that you will have children their only reference to Islam is literally 
a couple books. Right or wrong? Those are the ones the Prophet is talking about. That they don't see the history of Islam. They don't see great glory of the buildings and the history of Muslim civilization. They don't see any of that. All of that they see is a couple books on the Islamic society bookshelf. And they come into a little masjid. Okay? And this is it. And yet still they believe. Those are the people the Prophet ﷺ said, Shawkan, shawkan, ila ahbabi. Shawkan, shawkan, ila ikhwani. Oh, Allah, I wish to see my brothers. The Sahaba said, aren't we your brothers? He said, balantum ashabi. No, you're my companions. You live alongside of me. They said, who are your brothers? He said, those who never saw me, yet yearned to see me and would give everything in their life to see me. Subhanallah. So in this era, the one who is taking action in this era has the reward of 50 Sahaba by the testimony of the Prophet Subhanallah. All this difficulty and the Prophet closes it with that. Now let's talk a little bit about the Dajjal himself. The Dajjal himself. This is the days of the Dajjal. What are his days like in this hadith? When finally all people have rejected religion, or the majority of people have rejected religion, and their hearts are empty, what do they turn to? Okay, Atheism is coming to steamroll all religions that people worship nothing, but something inside of people makes them yearn for the unseen. So what will develop? And this is, I'm telling you, and you know from the hadith, what will come. Alright? The occult. The occult is another word for shirk. Look, and look very carefully, at the advertisements for movies. And in the contents of movies. Okay? You will find a very noticeable increase. A very noticeable... Shukran. Increase in idolatry. A very noticeable increase in paganism, in the occult. And ultimately it is leading to Satan worship. The Dajjal comes as a governor. And from being a governor he becomes a king. Okay, uh, First he begins as a preacher of some sorts. And from being a preacher he then comes as a governor, then a king. And then the Dajjal becomes the ruler of the world. A one world government. One ruler for the entire world. And then he travels from city to city proclaiming that he is God himself. And how look at how the Prophet describes how this is this hadith, if this is the only hadith you ever hear. You, your iman in the Prophet that he is certainly a Prophet of Allah should be certain, solidified. Prophet said he travels from city to city, the entire world in 40 days. Okay? How? On a beast. On a beast. The width of it is 40 cubits. And along the side of it is eyes. And it jumps through the clouds. Perfect. Description for an airplane. Perfect description for an airplane. A beast that has eyes all along its sides and jumps through the clouds. 
If this is the only hadith you ever saw, you know for sure, this man, he's not making these up. He's getting his news from the Creator. Dajjal then travels. And what do we do in the time of Dajjal? You should flee from the big cities. Because people will flock to him and worship him. They will flock and worship him. And especially in this time, all right, the Muslims will be persecuted. And the believers will be persecuted. Okay? In this time. In this time will be present a great man that we must follow. And that is Al-Imam Al-Mahdi. Al-Imam Al-Mahdi has three crystal clear signs. Crystal clear signs. Number one, and this is, we're going to close and then go to the Q&A. The first sign of Imam Al-Mahdi. Many people can say and they claim themselves, Imam Al-Mahdi doesn't mean anything. There are three signs. Number one, you see what is happening in Libya. Who's the president of Libya right now? Huh? Who's the president of Libya? That's the wrong country. Who's, who's, who's the president of Libya? Nobody. Nobody. Right? Even a 15-year-old kid, he knows. He watched TV. Right? <coughs> There's no president of Libya. Have you... This is supposed to be the modern world, right? It's 2015, as everyone keeps saying. Because it's 2015. As if we've achieved something. Right? As if we've achieved... We've gone backwards. It's 2015. The only thing we improved in is communication and transport. The only thing that we've improved in is communication and transport. It's so easy to communicate to one another and to transport ourselves, but everything else has gone backwards. Right? We've gone backwards. In all of our behaviors, we've gone backwards. Right? Libya has no president. Who is in charge of Iraq right now? Who's the president of Iraq? Who's the king of Iraq? Nobody. Another one figured it out. It's the police. You want to be kicked out? There's no one in charge of Iraq. It's chaos. You have one group of people accrediting themselves with ruling. Then you have the Western powers putting up another crony. So, what's the point? You see it's happening in front of you, right? In front of your own two eyes. What did the Prophet ﷺ say? He says, the sign of the Imam Mahdi is when Al-Hijaz, Mecca and Medina. You can say the same thing about Mecca and Medina. When you can say, no one's in charge of Mecca and Medina anymore. That is the first sign of Imam Mahdi. And you see, all the way here we are, halfway across the world, and we know no one's in charge of Libya. It's known. It's not hidden. The Prophet's sign of Imam Mahdi are not hidden. They're known. Indisputable. The first sign is that Mecca and Medina and the Hijaz will have no governor, no king. Why? Because the king dies and his sons fight over the monarchy in his place. Okay? Three sons of the king fight between themselves so nobody knows who is in charge of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. That's the first sign. What is the second sign? Now Hajj will come. And it will become fard kifaya for the ulama to assign a leader. Because you cannot have hajj without a leader. So the ulama and the abdal, the great ulama of Iraq and Syria, come together and they find the man who they see 
In him is the signs of Imam Mahdi. And they chase him to Medina to give him the oath of allegiance. Be the Khalifa. And he will say no. Then he will run back to Mecca. They will chase him there. And he will say no. Then to Medina. And then after the Hajj is over, they will corner him. Now that everyone's left, they will corner him at the Kaaba. And he will have to give them the bayah. And he gives them the bayah. All of this we will not see. We might be here in America. We might not see this. So what is the next sign? The next sign is that a band of people in Mecca and Medina start surrounding him and being his followers. And like we said, there's no government in Arabia anymore to control this. Just like there's no government in Iraq and Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi was able to declare himself Khalifa and no one could do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, go, go into Times Square and declare yourself President of the United States. They're going to shut you down and put you in a mental hospital. But if there's no government, you can do this, right? So he does this in Mecca, declares himself Al-Imam Mahdi, and people start coming to him. And he's follow, a small following develops around him. And his name is as the Prophet's name is. Muhammad ibn Abdullah or Ahmad ibn Abdullah. And his description is that he is tall, dark, with a hooked nose and a stutter. He doesn't give eloquent speeches. He stutters, speaks very slowly. He's not an eloquent speaker. That people may say it's by his charisma that he's got people. It's not by his charisma. Allah has purposely made him not charismatic. Charisma means you got to speak. You got to give a good speech. He does not have charisma. As a sign and a proof. Just as the Prophet ﷺ was not reading and writing, so no one says he copied the Qur'an. Likewise, Al-Imam Al-Mahdi is not a charismatic preacher so that people will say about him, he lures people with his charisma. No, he doesn't have charisma. He's very plain. And he's an older man. No signs of charisma to make sure that people are following him only for Allah's sake. Not because they're stolen by his charisma. So what's the second sign? That someone who the Prophet ﷺ calls as Sufyani from Syria. When as Sufyani hears about Imam Mahdi, who is descendant of whom? Al Hassan ibn Ali. Al Hassan ibn Ali. He will come down with an army ten times the size of the Mahdi and his companions. And what will he do? This army will come down and the Muslims will have no power over them. But what will occur? Allah Azza wa Jal, as they near Medina, Allah Azza wa Jal will open the earth and they will collapse into the earth. And what do we call this? A sinkhole. What is a sinkhole? It's a vacuous space under the earth. Why are there suddenly now sinkholes all over the earth? Very simple reason. We're pulling out all the oil and gas too quickly. And so there are gaps in the earth such that homes are collapsing. Cars are collapsing. Roads are collapsing. Imagine in Saudi Arabia, what, what, is, their, what is their natural resource? Oil. Where is oil? Under the ground. You keep suctioning it, siphoning it out of the ground. What is that earth going to be filled with? 
vacuous gaps under the ground. Now travel over that with an army. And what's going to happen? It's going to be too heavy. And they're going to collapse. Signs. All of them. None of them are mystical. None of them are mystifying. Right or wrong. You see the explanations. You can expect them to happen right in front of you. This is the second sign. When an entire army falls into the ground, you think it's not going to reach CNN News? You think it's not going to be on the BBC and the RT? It's going to be all over the news. An entire army collapses in a sinkhole. Sign number two. Worldwide signs. Yeah, who knows what the technology is? But whatever technology is out there, within one day you should know. The whole world will know. And I'm telling you, I'm transmitting to you the deen of Muhammad Sallallahu that this is sign number two. That that man who they're going to attack is the Mahdi. So what if it's the Mahdi? What do you have to do? The Prophet Sallallahu said, travel to him and give him your oath of obedience even if you have to travel on ice because he is the Khalifa of Allah. That's why it's important. Because there's amal. This is not, Mahdi is not someone we just believe in. You have to go give him bayah and then go back home or go wherever he tells you. He's your chief. He's your boss. He tells you what to do. If he says, go back to your land, you go back to your land. Even he concurs. Okay? Go back to your land. Go back to your land. Sign number three. What does he do? Who are the two greatest enemies in the Middle East today? Saudi Arabia and Iran. Al-Imam Mahdi conquers the entire Arabian Peninsula. Then he takes that army and travels to Persia, Iran, and conquers the entire country of Persia, Iran, and ends Shiism. The only remaining Shi'is will be Al-Ghulat, the extremists, and he will fight them and finish them. And all of those who are honest of Ahlul Shia, they will believe in him. And they will stop cursing Abu Bakr and Umar and Aisha. When you see two countries, this magnitude of people, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and Iran unifying, you think that's not going to make news? Yani Daesh, ISIS today, if they go take over a 7-Eleven in Syria, it makes the news. They're, you read the news about ISIS, do you even, they're taking over cities you never heard of, right? So when Imam Mahdi takes over the entire Jazeera of the Arab, and the entire peninsula of, or peninsula of the Arabs, and then country of Persia, you think that's not going to make news? It's going to make a lot of news. These are three signs. After this, he continues the conquests. He ends Arab secularism by conquering Sham, Syria. Then he goes to Turkey, Istanbul. And in Istanbul, they're guided people, but they're in Ghafla. So they will bring their army against him. And when they see him and they hear his takbir, that means right before the battle, they will submit. Why does the Prophet say, when they hear his takbir, Constantinople will, will submit to him? That means that the war will be just about to begin between both sides. So much so that they could hear the takbir, Allahu Akbar, of the Mahdi's army. That's when they will say, the Iman will enter their heart. They will say, no, we're not fighting this man. We'll join this man. And then he stays there and makes 
Constantinople and Istanbul, his capital again. And it becomes the capital of Islam. He makes his capital for two years. For two years. And what does he do for two, for two years from Constantinople? Where does he send his army next? To Italy. To Italy. And he conquers the Vatican in Rome. Islam will enter this time through Rome. And he will conquer it. And from there, it will be announced as shaitan will start to despair. And he will announce to the people, Dajjal has come. Go back to your women. Because your women are now chasing after Dajjal. So the Muslims will leave Rome and flee back to their homes. But it will be a false rumor. And so they will wait. They will wait. And sometime after this, when everyone in the world least expects it, will rise Dajjal. And his fitna will be for some small period of time. Not too much. It's not going to be five, six years. It's going to be a short period of time. The maximum that the ulama said is under two years. His fitna. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, Arba'ina yawman, yawman ka sana, wa yawman ka shah, wa yawman ka jum'ah, wa sa'iru al-ayami, wa ayam ka sa'iru al-ayam, wa baqiyat al-ayam ka sa'iru al-ayam, ka sa'iru ayamikum. A day like a year, a year like a month, a day like a month, a day like a week, and the rest of the days, like your days. So 37 days plus one week is how many days? 37 plus 7, 42, 44. Add 30 days, 74 days. One year and 74 days. One year and two and a half months, basically. One year and two and a half months. What the... Ulama said is that this is the maximum of the fitna of the Dajjal himself. One year and two and a half months. Until such a large number of people have worshipped him. And left Islam. Left Islam. Made kufr. Even though Imam Mahdi is there. Even though he's conquered. Even though all the signs of, his, of himself is there. Of the truth are there. Still the people will be so tempted that they will follow the Dajjal and fall for the Dajjal even with Imam Mahdi alive amongst us until who comes down? Prophet Isa bin Maryam where do they meet in Israel? Bab Lud which is today the Tel Aviv airport Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam comes down and as soon as the Dajjal lays eyes on Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam he dissolves the Dajjal Allah gives him powers to give life, to heal the sick, to heal the blind, to make you rich. And Allah gives him power over the jinn to raise up jinn that look like your parents who have died. He said, here, I have resurrected your parents. And then your, these jinn will tell you, this is your God, worship him. Fooling people, fooling people who are empty. But anyone who keeps salah and keeps surah al-kahf, will not be tricked, will not be duped. You will see it kafir as if it's written on his forehead. You will see it as if it's written on his forehead. You will not be duped. Anyone who keeps salah and keeps surat al-kahf will not be fooled by the Masih al-Dajjal. You will not be fooled. Teach surat al-kahf to your families. Teach it to your children. Before anything else, and keep up the suhbah of the mu'mineen. Fajr and Aisha in the masjid. 
It is said that people who think that they can move their body and live next to Imam Mahdi, that they will be saved, they're wrong. Because even if you live right next to Imam Mahdi, if Imam Mahdi is right there, and you're right here, and the Dajjal comes, if your heart is not in the right place, you will leave him and follow the Dajjal, and make kufr and go to hell. It's not about physical proximity to Imam Mahdi, it's about your nearness to Allah and your taqwa. Doesn't matter if you're in Pennsylvania, New York City, Russia, Sao Paulo, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. And so Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam will come and Dajjal will melt and there will be no more force of shaitan on the earth. Sayyidina Isa will destroy and kill every army of shaitan. And all of this fitan and all the technology that's taken people, the fitna of all these things will be cut off. And such a great era will come upon people. And Isa bin Maryam will live amongst us 40 years. After the Imam Mahdi dies, very shortly after Isa comes down, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, then Sayyidina Isa will live as the Khalifa of the Muslims for 40 years. And in this period of time, there will be so much barakah on the earth that a family, it will suffice them to eat a single orange. It will, or the fruit will be so big a whole family could eat it. An entire tribe will spend a day eating a watermelon. That's how big the fruit will be. The earth will be so happy that the soil will come out. The earth will clean itself out. It will clean itself out through rains. The rivers will flood out all of the, the, the filth it's in and the rivers will be clean again. The earth will be clean again for 40 years. And this is the greatest period on the earth. And the men and the women and the children who follow Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam are the greatest men, women and children on the earth after the Sahaba. Until finally what happens? After the death of Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam, all of the people who saw him will slowly die and Allah Azza wa Jal will raise Iman from the earth. And there will be no more Iman on the earth. And everyone on the earth will collapse again and then Yom Qiyamah will come upon those people, not upon the believers. Our deen is so beautiful. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen. But don't think simply by knowing what's going to happen that you're going to be saved. You have to work. You have to put effort. How many people here are missing Fajr? Who here is praying Fajr on time, daily? That you miss Fajr maybe once or twice a year. How about Qiyamul Layl? How about Hayaun min Allah? وَذَرَّةٌ مِنْ عَمَلِ الْقَلْبِ الْعَلِي أَكْبَرُ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ مِنْ أَجْبَرِ شَمَّخْنَ مِنْ ظَوَاهِرِ الْعَمَالِ So what does that mean? That means one ذرة, one iota, atom of the action of the heart is bigger in the sight of Allah than a mountain of actions done solely by your body. Like what? Al-hayahu min Allah. Having shame in the sight of Allah. Now, right now, would any of you take out your phone and look at Fawahish right now, right here in the masjid? No. No. Right? Why? Why? You have shame. That's good. You would never do that in front of people. Right? 
Now, let me tell you of an action of your heart that is superior to all action of the body. That when you are alone, you say to yourself, I'm ashamed in front of Allah to be looking at this. I'm ashamed, Allah is with me, so I'm ashamed to be looking at that woman. I'm ashamed to be looking at that man who I'm not supposed to be gazing at. That is called amalul qalb, haya'u min Allah. That's what's going to save us. That's what's going to save us. Aqulu qawli hadha, jazakumullahu khairan. And we can now turn the mic over to question and answer. And if the women folk have something, they could write it and send it up. So inshallah, we have about 15-20 minutes inshallah for Q&A before we close out the program with the presentation from Safina. And then dinner afterwards, everybody's requested to please uh, bear with us for the remaining portion of the program. A reminder, Dr. Shadi, obviously you know, is our visiting scholar for this evening. Please try to keep your questions relevant to the topic, inshallah, if possible. If it's a type of question that is relevant to this masjid or to this community, we have ulama here, we have, you know, our teachers here, okay, our imam and resident scholars here, inshallah, it's better to address that question to the people who are here, okay, not to a visiting scholar from outside who doesn't know what's going on here. But inshallah, if anybody has any questions, inshallah, please uh, feel free. Um, if you I have one question. Ji. Is Dajjal is changed in this sea uh, near Yemen? Is Dajjal changed in the sea somewhere near, near Yemen? Yemen. Um, the answer to this question is that we know that the Prophet ﷺ told us that the Dajjal is chained in an island. He is not a human like regular humans. He has been alive. And Allah is keeping him alive. But he is chained on an island. And we don't know near Yemen or where. But we know that he's chained in an island. And he was seen by a Christian who later became Muslim and his name is Timmy Madari. If we have any questions from the sister side behind the partition, if you could write them down, inshallah, forward them uh, somehow through to the men's section, inshallah. Any other questions, inshallah? Uh, could you speak a little bit about the statue in Rajiv? One second. So my question is... Um, as we know about Iblis, uh, he didn't obey, and then he was, you know, regime after that. Is there any, like, history of the job that, like, people, like, I want to know that I don't know why he has been created and uh, why he's, do, like, he would do this? Is there any... Uh, the question is, why is the Dajjal uh, created, okay? Why is the Dajjal existing? The Dajjal exists... All right, to decipher whether or not we believe. Dajjal comes with everything good, but Allah tells us don't follow him. Right? And well, that's a way to decipher who truly believes from who doesn't. That's what Dajjal is. He is like you have positive particles, protons and neutrons, or protons and electrons, all mixed up. So you bring a magnet that will suck out all those you know, ne negative you know, sub-particles, negative particles, and that's what Dajjal is. He is like a magnet, and everyone who truly does not believe in Allah will follow him. And that's a favor for us. So now we know who is a true believer and who isn't. And what is the greatest favor, 
Alright, one of the greatest things in terms of ummah and community is that there are no munafiqeen, no hypocrites. In the time of Isa bin Maryam, there will be no hypocrites. Alright, so how do we have no hypocrites? Is all of the believers will be suffering and Dajjal will come with a solution. Allah will say, don't follow him. But all the munafiqs will follow him. So he will remove from the ummah its munafiqeen. <coughs> Now, after Sayyidina Isa bin Maryam fights a lot of wars, the earth will be filled with the carnage of war. Isa bin Maryam comes with an unsheathed sword and he never puts his sword back into its case, its sheath. He fights. From land to land. He doesn't stop. He doesn't stay home. He travels fighting, 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 fighting. Everyone. Until they submit. Okay? So what is the earth looking like at this point? Its rivers are bloody. The land is bloody. So how does Allah clean this out? He cleans this out through a people who eat everything dead and alive. Okay? And who are these people? Ya'juj and two ancient tribes who are under the earth. They are somewhere under the earth. And they're humans, but not like us. They're not like us. They are very, very different from us. They're under the earth. What does Allah say to Prophet Isa? You cannot kill them. Travel up to the mountain peaks and live there. And the followers of Isa will travel up on top of the mountains and live there. That will be the only safe place. Yet Juja Majuj will come eating and drinking everything that they see in sight. Okay? As if they're vacuum cleaners. Then Allah will send a bug that will kill them all. And then Allah will send rain. Some say for 40 days and 40 nights that will clean out all of this mess. Then the Sahaba of Isa can come back down and the earth will be clean for them. Uh, the question is, will the wars be fought through technology or will there be a regression of technology? Some of the ulama say that in the time of Isa, the technology will be broken. Uh, and ultimately, we really don't know. We really don't know, to be honest with you. So, uh, we'll have to wait and see. So uh, this question, the brother says, some people are taking some hadiths and trying to implement them. Um, what he's talking about is Daesh or ISIL or ISIS, that the Mahdi, he has a black flag. Okay? And ISIS also has a black flag. And they're trying to establish the Khilafah. Alright, they're trying to establish the Khilafah. But, ma buni ala batil fahuwa We say, what is built upon batil is batil. Now why do we say 
that ISIS is upon Baltal, Butlan. Why is it Baltal? Okay. It's Baltal for a very simple reason. Namely that in Islam, jihad has rules. Has rules. And what are these rules? The rule is that you must be a recognized nation amongst the nations. Right? A recognized nation amongst nations. So your enemies have to recognize you. That you're a country, that you're a state. You cannot force yourself, right? So their jihad is batal. Okay? Their jihad is batal for that simple reason. Secondly, if there are some rules to be a khalifa, it's a joke. One of the simple rules, you need to rule Mecca and Medina to be the khalifa, right? They can call themselves Amir, just like a country, you can call it, but you're not going to call yourself the khilafa. So for that reason, ISIS has been refuted time and time again. And in fact, there are many hadith, and one in particular that is narrated by Sayyidina Ali bin Abi Talib, which describes exactly the description of ISIS. And that hadith says, there will be people with long hair that speak hummin jaldatina, that are Arabs like us, speak our tongue. Alright? They say the best of words, but they are the worst of creation. They keep no contract, no agreement they make with people. They will break every agreement. And they will take names of kunya, right? Asma'uhum al kunya. Their names are kunyas. What is a kunya? Abu this, Abu that, Abu this. None of them have names. All of them is Abu, 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 Abu. There's no one with a regular name from them. Alright? When nisbatuhum al qura, their nisbah, their last name, is states and towns. Abu Ja'far al Baghdadi, Abu Mus'ab al Zarqawi, Abu Isa al Maghribi, right? Abu Ayyub al Madani. Everyone is like a, like a screen name. This is like a fake screen name. You don't know who the person is. He's Abu something and he comes from that country, right? So you don't know. Why? We say to them, why are you afraid to use your real name? If this is so noble, why have you given yourself a fake name? Tell us what your mother gave birth to you and called you. And what your father's name is. This is one of the signs that they're upon Baltic. That they don't want to reveal who they really are. They have to take on a, a fake name. And when they come in front of the camera, they have to cover their faces. Why? If you are upon nobility and haq, give us your name and show us your face. This is like Twitter. Okay? People coming in with screen names. You never talk to these people. Right? Never talk to these people. Someone coming to you with a fake name. No, you show me your face and tell me what your name is or else we're not going to talk to you. There, this is the same thing. And this hadith is given from uh, uh, Ali ibn Abi Talib. And many, many people. What did, the, what did the Prophet call them? He said, Ashum Ashabu Dawla. They are the people of the state. Right? Islam does not come for statehood. Islam comes for guidance of people. Statehood is a means to an end. I beg your pardon? This Middle East war is going on for a long time and all these countries are destroyed now. So this will lead to bring Imam Mahdi? Uh, all of the wars in the Middle East right now are paving the way. They're all paving the way. And at the end of all this is going to come Imam Mahdi. Inshallah. Or prophecies which describes the number of false Mahdi's 
Is there a hadith that has a number of false Mahdi's? The women folk have no questions to pass up? Yeah, we have to take care of the women have to have knowledge. Seriously, they're going to raise the kids. If they're ignorant, your kids are in trouble. Okay? And they're going to destroy you. We don't want no ignorant kids. We need the women to ask questions. Right? Um, how many false Mahdi's? We don't know. Allah knows best. We don't know. But none of them will have these three signs that we say. In reference to your statement, just a few questions ago about uh, the ISIL, the, the leaders of the ISIL being battled. Uh, being what? Battled, yes, battled, yeah. Being battled. What is the way that we, what actions can we take today to raise that knowledge and stand up against atrocities like that? Today, we're obligated, obligated, every person that you know, you must warn them and tell them, this issue of ISIS, these people do not represent the Prophet, right? These people are upon, they're, they're not on the right Islam for the following reasons. Jihad in Islam has rules, there are only four types of jihad, okay? And all of them require a leader, there's no such thing that you gather a gang of people and start waging jihad and having uh, lone figures fighting jihad for you in France in California, wherever this is completely uh, against every rule of sharia any war in Islam is fought between two nations that recognize one another and only the soldiers engage in the fight we don't go, you've never seen a sahabi Umar ibn Khattab, send one Sahabi, or two Sahabi, or ten Sahabi, go to another country and kill innocent people, and kill the civilians of that land, right? This method of waging jihad is completely false, and therefore all of the results that are attracting many people, many youth from Europe, in America they don't go because we'd have to cross the Atlantic, but in Europe you can just drive there, you can just drive and join ISIS and you have an apartment, you have a wife. If you don't like that wife, you can throw her in the garbage. They'll give you another wife. And this is what happens. The girls are getting abused. They capture a town and they sell the girls to the soldiers. Right? Sabaya. Sabaya means young youth. They'll sell the girls. The soldier will take one, use her for a week, doesn't like it, throw her away. And you have calamities happening. Right? Victims. If the origin, if this is the foundation, then the entire thing is about it. One more question, inshallah. Two more. We'll do two more. Nazmul then. I couldn't help myself when I heard their great scholar, Imam Haddad. And uh, the, I read your CV yesterday or last week uh, about Hadramaut. So uh, our great love to Hadramaut and the scholar of Hadramaut and Imam Haddad. Could you uh, enlighten the, the gathering about your connection to Hadramaut and Imam Haddad is out of the subject, but I couldn't help myself because I have great love for, for that place and those uh, scholars. MashaAllah. Okay, I'll answer that after uh, we finish the questions on the subject, inshallah. Uh, so knowing that we're in the end times and 
like things are going to go negative soon? Uh, things are already negative. Yeah. What do you mean going to go negative? <laughs> you think this is positive? <laughs> Subhanallah al <laughs> Okay. Well, how worse does it have to get for you to think it's negative? It'll get more no, negative. I'm just messing with you. Yeah. So it'll get more negative. Uh, what's the motivation? What's the motivation for Muslims to like get engaged in good causes? What is the motivation to get engaged in good causes? Is it is a means to save yourself, Allah, and show an example for your friends and your children. Busy yourself with good causes. That's your motivation. Uh, even the Prophet said, if Yom Al-Qiyamah, if you see the angel putting his trumpet up to his lips to blow the horn of Yom Al-Qiyamah, the trumpet, and you're planting a seed, yani a seed for a tree, which you're not going to see for 50 years, right? Plant it. So, same thing. What is the best way to protect our family and children in this time? Take and Be careful, watch, observe what they do on the internet, and take them to the masajid. Take them to the masajid and be very careful. The TV, the internet, uh, be very careful. Cell phones, cut these things off. And until they have to, have to, have to, and even then, make it restricted. So that the kids grow up pure. Pure, not urinated upon. Because the internet is as if the bowl of shaitan is in your face. Right? Be careful. Don't let them be all over the web. Okay? It's... If you put your kids out on the street in the middle of the night and pick them up at Fajr, this is easier and better and lighter and less dangerous than if you have let him have a computer in his room that he surfs the web until Fajr. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. So be careful with the computer, the web, control these things uh, and take them to the masjid. Bring them to the masjid as much as you can. Inshallah, if anybody else has any other questions, Inshallah, uh, our Shaykh, uh, the speaker will be here, Inshallah, joining us for dinner. Um, so we, please feel free to meet with him afterwards, Inshallah. If I could ask everybody just a few more moments before we serve, um, if Dr. Shadi, our guest, Habibahullah, could share a few words about uh, Imam al-Haddad, Rahimahullah, and the great tradition that he left behind for us, as well as uh, if I could request him very briefly to share a brief presentation about Sufina Society, some of the work that it's doing, inshallah, and alhamdulillah, how we have been able to come and visit today. Did you answer this question? I answered this one. Yeah. Uh, Imam al-Haddad is from Hadramaut, and uh, we had some friends of ours go to Hadramaut. When the grave scholar uh, Habib Omar bin Hafiz began doing da'wah from Hadramaut. Uh, Habib Omar bin Hafiz, he's a young man, you in the 90s, began doing da'wah and traveling the Middle East. Okay. And he's from Hadramaut. And then the Westerners started to hear about Hadramaut. Then they started to go. Alhamdulillah, I was one of many people who went to his school, Darul Mustafa, and studied with him there and there all day. Dhikr, Quran, and lessons, and da'wah. This is what we do. We do dhikr, qiyamul layl, tahajjud. We do Quran, uh, we... Uh, take classes, and we go out to, to give da'wah to the Bedouin nomads. And this methodology is based on the method of Imam al-Haddad, who said, and he foresaw through Mukashafa, Kashf, that within 300 years, the Muslims will not even know the fundamentals of their religion anymore. That's what he said. I, he foresee that within 300 years, the majority of the Muslims will not know the basics of their religion. And he died in 1721. Right? He died 1721. 
And that's what he said. So what, would, what did he do? He spent his time summarizing knowledge. Specifically, Ihya Ulum al-Din. He didn't write bigger books, he shrunk the books. He shrunk the books and talk, talked about... <coughs> spoke specifically about the fundamentals of Iman and Yaqeen. And he spoke about the importance of Dawah. That in this era, learn the fundamentals of the deen and do Dawah. So that's Imam al-Haddad's methodology. And uh, for this end, we established an organization uh, which is called Safina Society and Safina is Safina to Najah, the Ark of Salvation. Because in this stage, the tribulations are like the waves of the sea. So what is the solution? It is the Ark. And that Ark is love of Ahlul Bayt and taking the guidance of the Sahaba. Alright? It's a weak hadith, but it's acceptable to act upon, uh, or there's no real action upon it, so it's acceptable to narrate. Prophet said, My family is like the Ark of Nuh. If whoever rides it is saved, and whoever leaves it, abandons it, is drowns. And my companions are like the stars. Whoever you follow, you'll be guided. So, what we do is four things. You can follow us on the internet at SafinaSociety.org and you can go to multimedia. We have essays, papers, videos, and the videos are also made into audios. And we have some pictures, all focusing on knowledge. All we do is knowledge. Voyages is what we're doing now. This traveling out to various communities for knowledge. Uh, we're having an Arabic intensive. We will be having an Arabic intensive this summer. So keep an eye on that. And then locally in New, Brun in New Brunswick, we have classes for all age groups and converts. So that's our organization. You can keep tabs at safinsociety.org. Thirty وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يزيغون سلام على المرسلين حمد الله رب